test us and see if there be anything unpleasing in us, O God, that we could walk out of this place filled with the Holy Spirit and power, Lord, to be the people of God in a day like today. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit now more than ever. Oh God, would you move in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you, uh, we're in a series called Fasting in the Fire, and today I want to talk to you about being formed, formed in the fire. Formed in the fire. What does it mean to be formed in the fire? I read Psalms 130, verse 5, wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word I do hope. He says, I wait for the Lord, and in his word I do hope. Um, what does it mean to be formed by God? Uh, you know, so I, I grew up in a uh, Assemblies of God church and a Assemblies of God home. My parents had both kind of had their rebellious streaks when they were young, so uh, they determined to raise the most perfect child they could raise. Uh, no, not really. Uh, but, you know, he raised us in church. Uh, and and I'm never, I've never been a very emotional person. I was always that little, you know, smart aleck kid, you know, kind of on the back and... Uh, Anyway, so, you know, in a, in a church tradition like I had, people raised their hands, and, man, we had people that would sometimes dance and jump, and uh, you had, we had some crazy services growing up. But I never did any of that. I, I really, I was very the intellectual, reserved, shy, quiet, prideful, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I never, ever, in my entire young person years, until I was about 17 years old, ever raised my hands in a worship service. And uh, my wife, uh, we, we were starting to date at the time, and, and there was this, you know, a group of people at our youth group who got filled with the Holy Spirit and stuff, and they were always pressuring us to be more expressive and to get into God, and I would always say, don't judge me, I worship God in my own way, right? You ever said that before? I worship God in my own way. I, I, I can worship God like this, like this, and you ever seen Tim Hawkins, he said, you know, there's different uh, ways you raise your hand in church, you know, my fish is this big, and then there's touchdown, and you know, like there's all kinds of ways, you, and, and if I want to worship God like this, I can do that, and that's totally factually true. You can bow down, you can worship God on your face, on your knees, standing, raising, jumping, shouting, and so don't judge me, I worship God in my own way, how I want to, and uh, I, w I thought I was pretty justified in that for a long time, and uh, what masqueraded pretty much as shyness, uh, God really began to deal with me and began to tell me that was really just pride. And uh, it had nothing to do really with the act of raising my hands because it really isn't about raising your hands or doing anything outwardly or jumping or shouting, but it was really about how willing I was to be formed by God. How willing I was to be formed by God. Instead, I had formed my own way of worshiping God, and I really never asked him what he wanted me to do. That's really what I want to get into this morning. I had formed my own way of worshiping God, but the only way to worship God is his way. The only way to worship God is his way, and that's where your life becomes an offering of your complete self and surrender. So my question for us today is really this. Is God forming you or are you forming him? Is God forming you, or are you forming him? Uh, I think there's a problem today, and that's that religion often is formed by man and not by God. The word worship actually means, we studied it out this summer, means to bow down. 
It means to see God for who he is and be in so much awe of him that you literally are forced to bow down before him. The literal word means to bow down, to come under a load, to bow down before him. And the problem with religion means, man-made religion, is that one, since it's without the spirit of inspiration, it's based on self-works, it justifies itself for the good that it does, and it often promotes or allows some freedom of your flesh, and it justifies that as well. But God-centered religion is inspired by God. It's based on the work of God himself and not on our work. And it always promotes not the flesh, but the holiness of God. So what's acceptable worship to God in your life? You know, sometimes we're always in a hurry. We can be too busy to pray, too busy to fast, too much in a hurry to study our word, to, to get into our devotional life. Uh, sometimes we get too busy to go to church. We get too busy to serve and help other people and be involved in our community and, and do things and use our gifts and be in the kids' church or the youth ministry or the outreach ministry or maybe next year I'll go on a missions trip or maybe that one day I'll volunteer in our community. Or, and we get to justify it. Well, I'm busy. God knows. God understands. Or I can worship and do this way. And God knows my heart. God knows I love him. And we begin to do that. But are we forming God or is God forming us? I think unless we are being formed by God today, it's likely we're trying to form God ourselves. And that's, that's the question. Is, if you could take a pause and look at your life right now and say, right now, is there things happening in my life that God is forming me? Can I look to this last week, or this last month, this last year and say, yes, God has been working on me. It used to be a little kid song. He's still working on me to make me be the things I ought to be, right? That is, is there something, Christianity is about God forming you or is your Christianity about you forming God. When's the last time you waited in the presence of God for God to just work on you? Just taking some moments in your day and your morning and say, God, before I get going today, Lord, work in me. Lord, before I get going today, work in me. God, I'm going to go to this worship service. I'm going to go to the altars. I'm going to stay there, Lord, until you work on me. God, I'm going to take a praise moment, Father, in my car, in my home, or on the lawnmower, on the way here or there, and say, God, just work on me. Do something in me. Change me. Transform me. Because if we're not always being transformed by God, it's likely we are forming God for ourselves. When we're willing to wait in worship, God can work on us. When we're willing to wait in worship, that's when God can work on us. Let's look in Exodus chapter 24, verse 13. If you're there, somebody say amen. Let me tell you about the 39th day. Formed in the fire. The 39th day. Let's go back and, and kind of review where we are. So we have come with Moses out of Egypt out of the Exodus. And we've parted the Red Sea. We've gone three months in the wilderness. We've seen the manna. We've seen the water. We've seen the quail. We've come to Mount Sinai where God's glory has descended on the mountain and fire and earthquake and trumpet and shaking. And he's spoken out loud the Ten Commandments to us. But because we feared the Lord and man, his consuming fire is breathtaking. It's awe-inspiring. This cloud of his divine glory has rested on the mountain. And anyone who touches that mountain will die. And so we say, Moses, go up there and talk to this 
this guy for us because if we go up there, we might die. And so Moses goes up and God says to the elders and to Aaron and to Aaron's son, come up a little further and meet me midway on the mountain. And so God does that. Moses gathers Aaron, who's going to be the high priest of Israel, Aaron's sons, and 70 of Israel's elders. And they go midway up, and they make a sacrifice to the Lord. And there they see him. They see his feet. They see the glass beneath it. It looks like sapphire. Unbelievable. And they, they have a communion moment with God. They break bread with God, and they make a sacrifice. And well, that's a whole other sermon in that itself. The marriage supper of the Lamb is symbolized there. And they eat with God in his presence. And then look in Exodus 24, verse 13. God calls Moses up further and says, Moses, I want you to come and remain with me on the mountain, and I'm going to give you everything you need to become the people of God. I want you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're going to be a peculiar people, Moses, and you're going to need everything I'm going to tell you to be the people and the kingdom of God. Of God. So come up here a little further. But Exodus 24, verse 13 says, So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, Wait. Everybody say, Wait. wait. He said, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. So Moses goes up into the cloud. He begins to fast in the fire for 40 days and 40 nights. He begins to receive all the instructions, the law, the tabernacle, the priesthood, all the duties required to be the people of God. Now flip over to Exodus 32, 1 through 6. A few chapters over, Exodus 32, 1 through 6. And it says this. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And all the people told the gold off the rings and their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took from this their hand and he fashioned it with a graving tool. He made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation. And he said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. So now it's 40 days on the mountain. That was day 39. 40 days on the mountain comes up, and God says, Moses, turn aside. You need to go back down there. The people have quickly turned away and made a molten image. And so Moses goes down the mountain, and you know the story. He goes down the mountain. He has the Ten Commandments. He sees the golden calf in the image. He throws the Word of God down. It breaks in half, and he goes to them and says, what have you done? What have you done? And look what Aaron says in Exodus 32, verse 22. And Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. He's talking to Moses. You know the people yourself, they are prone to evil. For they said to me, Make a God for us who will go before us. This Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And here's what I said to them. Whoever has any gold, let it tear it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Right? 
Yeah, right, Aaron. Good job, bud. Right? And so what happens? Moses takes the calf. He burns it. He, or he crushes it, makes it into dust. He burns it and crushes it, makes it into dust. He throws it in the water that God, remember, God made this water come out of the mountain to feed and drink all the people, drink for the people to drink. He throws it in the water. He goes down. He makes the people drink it. And then he prays. For Aaron, because God's about to kill Aaron, and he prays for the people. He goes back up the mountain, and he prays for another 40 days and 40 nights. We're going to talk about that, that next week. But the question for you and for me in this passage is this. Are you forming God, or is God forming you? Are you forming God, or is God forming you? You, I'm going to give you three things Aaron failed to do. Number one is this. He failed to wait on the word of God. Number one, Aaron failed to wait on the word of God. What are some things that led to him failing to wait? Number one is unbelief. Unbelief. What is it? It's the failure to trust God. Unbelief is the failure to trust in God. The people begin having a lack of faith. They thought God killed Moses on the mountain. What does that mean? This God must not be good. He killed the dude that went up the mountain. Maybe he killed him. Maybe he led us here for nothing. But we've got to figure this out on our own now. They failed to trust. How many times have you gotten to a place in your life and you didn't know how to get through and you're thinking, where is God? So what do you do? Well, I can think I can figure this out. I got a plan. Let's put that plan in place and we'll make it work. I'll still be godly. I'll still be Christian. I'll still do the things I think I'm supposed to do. But we failed to wait because we failed to trust and really believe that God is good and that God has a plan. That's what they were doing. They didn't think God was good and that God had led them here. And I guess we have to figure it out on our own from here on. We're supposed to get to that promised land. I know we came out of Egypt, but the God who led us this far, I guess he's done, right? Is God done with your life? Is he done with the church? Has he only led us this far to say, now it's all up to you, buddy, right? Sometimes Christianity is like that. We think, well, God saved me. And so I go to the altar and I trust God to save my eternal soul from damnation and nail my sin to the cross and cancel the written code against me. And he gave me all this great things where I have eternity in heaven for him forever. And I got it from here. Thanks, God. I'm going to go live my life, do the American dream, do what I do want to do, marry who I want to marry, be with who I want to be, buy what car I want to be, date who I want to date, just invest in what I want to invest, and I can go to the grocery store and buy what I want to buy, and I can begin to do my whole life. From this moment on, God, I've got it. It was a failure to trust that God had every step along the way from salvation out of Egypt to the receiving of the promise in the promised land. God had a plan. Somebody say amen. And God still has a plan for your life, and he has a plan for this church to get to that promised land. He has a plan for you to be with him in eternity forever. And there's not one single step of this journey God has not charted out. It's called, how many people trust in the Lord? How many people believe he's good? And so they failed. They trusted more in man than in God. And so because Moses, a human, had left them, now they turned to another human, Aaron. How do we miss God so very often when we're looking at the things of man? They had unbelief. Number two, they had impatience. God was preparing them to receive the promise, but they grew impatient. Forty days. Remember Abraham and Sarah, when they failed to wait, what did they have? They had Ishmael. 
Abraham and Sarah failed to wait on the son of the promise, and they had Ishmael. You think about uh, uh, Esau. Esau, he failed to wait on the promise of God, and it cost him his birthright. He sold his birthright because he had impatience for what God wanted to do in his life. King Saul, remember King Saul, he was going to, waiting to go into battle and he couldn't wait for Samuel, the prophet, to come to make the sacrifice for the battle. And so he said, I'll make the sacrifice myself even though he wasn't supposed to. And because he failed to wait on the prophet of God to come, it cost him his throne. How many times when we are at the 39th day, it was the 39th day and they were having a huge party and little did they know Moses was coming down the next day. They were one day too early and how many times if we would just wait one more day, one more moment that Moses might return. It's so easy to go for an easy Christianity. How do we want God's word? How often we want God's word to form so easy in us? to rely on ourselves and to lose patience with God's plans. To say, well, maybe God's not working, or maybe God's not hearing, or maybe God's not doing, but at the same time, God was doing something great on the mountain. They failed to pressure. Aaron was supposed to wait on them. What would have happened had Aaron waited on the mountain? Think about it. Aaron was called midway up, and Moses said what? Wait here. If Aaron had obeyed the word of God from Moses, what would have happened that day? What would have happened if he had just waited for the word of God to come right back down? He needed to wait. God was giving the word, and Moses is a symbol of Jesus Christ. And he was needing to wait on what God was about to bring down the mountain. And here's the sad part about Aaron, that Aaron left the mountain. He fell to that peer pressure and the fear of men more than the fear of God. And little did Aaron know that at the same time he was listening to people draw him back to the fleshly things of his past, back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to idolatry, back to natural living, that up on the mountain, here's what God was doing. Moses, let me tell you about something. Moses, I'm going to use Aaron. He's going to be a high priest. I'm going to make you give him some priestly robes. Here's what Aaron and his sons are going to do. Aaron and his sons are going to build a tabernacle for me. Aaron and his sons are going to declare the presence of God before the people. Aaron and his sons are going to part great things. Aaron and his sons are going to see me move in ways you've never seen me move before. And here's Aaron. Maybe I should go do it on my own. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. And at the same time, God and Jesus are talking to Moses about what they want to do in Aaron's life. Aaron is going back down the mountain. And I wonder what God might be saying about you and his church today. Him and Jesus are having a conversation about what they want to do in your life and how great plans they have for you and what they have in store for you. And we're watching Fox News and CBN and NBC. We're listening to that old flesh. We're going back to natural kingdom. We're going back to slavery. Maybe God isn't here. Maybe God doesn't have a plan. I don't know how we're going to get through this moment. Let's just try to figure it out the best we can. And they had unbelief and impatience. And at that very moment, while God is speaking about Aaron, Aaron failed to wait on the mountain. He got back down, failed to wait on the Lord. And will you and I be a Joshua or will be an Aaron who abandons his post? You know, I've seen many people 
in the church leave altars right before. I pray with them and I go to the altar and I see God's moving. I just say, keep praying. And then I turn around the next moment, they're back at their seat. And I knew God was about to do something in their life if they just wait. I've seen young Christians come when they get delivered of drugs and alcohol and addiction and they try God on for just a few weeks, maybe even a few months, just to say maybe it's not working and it gets hard and they go back to the things they were doing before. And I think in this last day, there are going to be Christians who failed to wait on God to work in their life. And they failed to stand there in holy surrender and say, God, be formed in me. God, I'm waiting on you. And I know as I wait on you, you are working on my behalf in this day. And that Jesus, you're coming. You see, there's something very special about this passage that God was about to send the promise down. He was about to send His Word from heaven down to earth. But you can't bring God off the mountain your own way. God's got a special way He's going to come. And that's through His Son, Jesus. Don't go down the mountain. Hebrews says, Today's the day you're called to draw near with sincere hearts and faith. When's the last time we waited on God really to move? Really, really waited. Not just come in for a quick service, but really waited in the presence of God. Or has unbelief caused us to grow impatient and we're in a hurry? You see, he failed to wait on God as the first one. And the second one is this, he formed his own God in the fire. It was a false fire Man made his own fire on that day. Can you imagine? Up on the mountain, there's this consuming fire burning above you. And here's Aaron. I need some coal. I need some tinder. I need some lighter fluid. Let me make my own fire. And he begins to make his own fire at the bottom of the mountain. That's the first sign of man-made religion. He began to make his own fire. Let me tell you something. That fire can produce nothing living. Man's fire, you can excite yourself all you want. You can sing the best songs fast or slow. You can give, you can do, but nothing man can ever do in his fire will ever come out living. That fire only produced something dead. It was a dead golden calf. And that fire up on that mountain was producing something alive and living that was about to come down and make people into something. Take them to a place they could never go on their own. But man, what is God doing in churches? How many churches have dead fire? How many Christians have dead fire that's producing nothing living on the inside? It's not taking them anywhere. It's not speaking to them. It's got no way to get them from here to there. It was dead fire, false fire. Man never produces anything alive and it was man-made. There on that mountain, they begin to pr- try to produce the a- reproduce the absence, fill that void. So they traded the real thing for a fake thing. You know, you can tell man-made religion right off the bat. Not only did man make the fire, man declared who God was. This is your God. This is the God that took us out of Egypt, y'all. This is God right here. God's in that song, but he's not in this song. God's in that pastor, but he's not in that pastor. God's on that drummer, he's not on that drummer. God's over there, but he's not in there. God's in that political party, but he's not in that political party. They begin to tell everybody who God was. God's over there, he's not over there. Remember what Jesus said, there's going to be many come after me, and they're going to say, this is the Messiah, that's not the Messiah, this is the Messiah, this is not the Messiah. They're going to begin to tell people who Jesus is and who he's not. He says, that's God over there. Man formed the image. Man forged the image. Man determined how. This is when we're going to worship God, y'all. Tomorrow we're going to have a party in God's name. 
God was up on the mountain telling Moses, you're going to worship me on the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Passover. You're going to worship me on the Feast of uh, Booths, the Tabernacles. You're going to worship me these ways and this way. This is the only way, God, Moses, you're going to worship me. This is how I want to be worshipped. And while God was forming, trying to form them on the mountain, they were forming God on their own on the earth. See, are you being formed by God or is God forming you? Maybe it's like, this is how I worship. This is my Christianity. I come to church on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. I come to church sometimes on Sunday nights when I feel like it and it's not snowing or raining and sleeting. And then I come on Wednesday nights when it's not too dark and not too cold. And then I can give this much of my money. And then I pray maybe sometimes when I think about it and before I eat my main meal but not before the chips and dip. And then I go and I do all this other, and this is my Christianity, and I vote this way. And we've formed something weird, and it's not awe-inspiring. Man, this was a consuming fire on the mountain. Things were shaking and trembling and lightning. Where's the awe and the majesty in Christianity? Where's the fear and the holy trembling before a holy God that says, we can't do nothing without that guy on the mountain? Because there's such, we can make it whatever we want, man. If you want to go to a fast church, a slow church, a contemporary church, a young church, you want to have church look this way, there's a church down the road for you, buddy. Man, find a church that fits you. How many times have we said that in the American church? Just find a church that fits you. Go somewhere where you feel comfortable, where you looked after, where they cater to your needs and your pastor's at your beck and call. Man, and if he doesn't, go somewhere else. Man, we've come to a place of a mountain of consuming fire and we've left it. And we've gone to something we can make, something we can handle, something we can touch, something that's not out of our control. We're in control of every service from scheduled from a line to 1115. Man, it's scheduled. There's PowerPoints, there's lights, there's this, there's music. And if it goes too long, make sure we quit. Man, because we got to get home at a certain time. We have formed God into something he's not. And he never is working on Monday or Tuesday. He maybe sometimes works on Wednesday. And then we wait for him to come back on Sunday. Man, man-made. You know, there's many things you can look, Islam to Hindu to Buddhism to Mormonism, and even some churches have the tool marks of man. That cow had every tool mark of man. Do we determine how and when God moves? Do we determine how and what God says? Do we narrowly define worship to Sunday mornings? Do we declare what God likes and approves of or doesn't? This is how God would vote. This is what God would do. How about we let God say what God wants to do? It wasn't 50 days before that God had said, don't have any other gods before me and you shall not make yourself an idol. And there they were making a gold calf. Why a gold calf? Because a gold calf symbolized the gods they were familiar with. This is how we know what God should look like. This is how they have God over in Egypt, and they have a God over in Canaan. This is what we're comfortable with. They traded in a God they feared for a God they formed. They were scared to go up the mountain where God was. He might do something in them they weren't ready for. Something he wouldn't, maybe they wouldn't approve of. They wanted a God they could relate to. So they got God to come down to their level. Man, if we haven't done that in American Christianity, we want a God we can be best friends with. Oh, He will. He's still going to be your Lord and Savior and Master, though. 
He's still a God who's going to come in judgment to judge the world and separate the chaff from the wheat and the goats from the sheep. He's still a God who's going to judge the living and the dead. And yes, He died for you and sent His very best, the rose of Sharon, Jesus Christ, to come and, and shed His blood for you on a cross. But He is still God. And so is God forming you or are you forming Him? Let me wrap it up with this. The other thing that we find here is not only that He had not waited on the mountain, He had formed God in the fire, He had used God's gold. You see, there was something that miraculous that happened on the night they left Passover is that people were so ready for them to get out of Egypt's slavery, they began to give Israel all kinds of their things from their house. The Bible says when they left Egypt, they plundered it. That means that they plundered the enemy. You know what Jesus did on the cross? He plundered the enemy. And he led captive a men of captives and gave gifts to men. He led the heavenly hosts out of slavery of sin and gave them many things. And the Bible says they plundered Egypt when they left. Egyptians said, here, just take my grandmama's stuff. Just get out of my house. You're not my slave anymore. Just leave. Take this thing with you and just get God out of this place. And they had gold earrings and rings and all kinds of things they plundered. They were the richest people to ever walk as nomads. They had gold and jewelry and diamonds. They had all kinds of stuff. And you know what God was taking them to do? As he was up on that mountain, he was telling Moses, Moses, you're going to overlay this ark with some gold. Moses, you're going to make a lampstand of gold. Moses, you're going to make this altar of incense of gold and bronze. You're going to make a place of sacrifice, and it's going to be gold-plated. And on the inside of my tabernacle, this holy place, it's going to be overlaid in gold because I've plundered Egypt for you. And what you're going to do with my victory is make a dwelling place for me. Listen to me. What God was doing on that mountain was saying, Moses, I want to dwell in the midst of you. I've purchased victory for you, and I've made a way for me to come down to you. And there is Aaron telling the people, give me your gold and make me make something out of it. I'll do something with it. Man began to make and rob God of his victory. You see, when Jesus came down, off of that place of, of heaven's footstool. And he left that place of his abode. It was as if Moses was coming down the mountain with the word of God. And here's what happened. As Jesus was coming down into earth, he saw the brokenness of our sin. He saw it all. He was broken for us, just like those tabernacles, those testaments were broken for us because God had a plan in place. He says, I want to create a place of dwelling. I want you to be the people of God. And how would he do that? The only way God was going to come off that mountain, he said, Moses, I want to be in the midst of you. The only way I can do that is if you'll make a dwelling place for me. The only way I can do that is if you'll make a tabernacle for me. I've got to have a holy dwelling. I need a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the same way, has come down. He's made coast captive. He's led, plundered Egypt. He's plundered sin. He's plundered the devil. And he says, I've made a way, church. I've paid the price. I've become broken for you. I want to be in you. I want you to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. The only way God comes off the mountain is if he has someone, something to dwell in. Tabernacle means dwelling. God was saying, Moses, make a dwelling for me. And Jesus says the same thing. Church, make a dwelling for me. But how many times have we given up the things that God has given us? 
He's made some of you to be pastors and pa- preachers and prophets and apostles. He's made some teachers. He's made some with the gifts of helps and administrations. He's made some with the gifts of mercy and giving. He's given some to be people who are encouragers and exhorters. He's given all kinds of gifts to his church. And we say, yeah, but my time is going to this. And my talents are going to this. And my treasure is invested in this. And we begin to give all the things to form God into something that he's not. And all the things that God has purchased for us, he's given you a personality, he's given you influence, he's given you uh, the money that you have, he's given you the talents and the gifts that you have. And we say, well, God, I'm too busy. God, I don't have time. God, I'm too busy to pray. God, I'm too busy to talk to that person. God, I'm too busy to wait on you to work inside of me. And just like those people on the mountain, they robbed God of what he had gained in victory for them. Jesus came to make you a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the only way God comes off the mountain is into tabernacles. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? That gold was not theirs to make that cow with. And you are not yours to make your life with. You are called to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And how much greater it was of what God was saying on the mountain than what they were doing on the earth. And I think about that for our churches and our people and our Christians today. What God has got planned up in heaven and what he's saying to his son Jesus Jesus, I want to use that one for this. I want to use that one for this. Man, I've got great plans for that one. Oh, that one's going to do something. They're going to part some waters in their family. Oh, that one's going to lead millions to the Lord. That one's going to talk to them. They're going to see that come to pass. Man, I've got all this stuff. And Jesus, go down there and make a place of dwelling for me. I want to be in the middle of them. And then we're down here taking all those things of God informing God into a Sunday morning schedule, a time slot, the things that fit into him and doing with our money and doing with our time and doing with our treasure, all that we want and say, here is our God who's purchased salvation for us. Let's take him where we want him to go. He's a God we can handle. He's a God that relates to us. He's a God that fits into our schedule. And God says, man, What awesome things I would do to a people who had just waited on the mountain for me to come down. You see, there's a counterfeit Christianity in the world today. And then there's the real deal. A people who wait for God's plans, who become temples of the Holy Spirit, dwelling places of God, And they learn to wait. Aaron, he failed to wait on the mountain. He formed God in his own way. And he says it, he fed the flesh. You see, there's one verse, and I close with this. It says, they rose to play. They rose to play once they made God what they wanted him to be. They didn't rise to pray. They rose to play. You see, one last sign of a man-made religion 
is that it always seeks to justify itself for what it's made. You know, you bow down to whatever you serve. And on that day, they were serving the flesh. And Aaron saw it. Well, this is this has just happened. This is what it is. This is this is the cow that came out. This is this was a miracle, man. This is really God was involved in this. Because how else could this happen? If they begin to justify their spirituality, and is the product of our religion supernatural? Is it supernatural love that comes out of your heart? Supernatural joy, supernatural peace, supernatural patience and kindness and gentleness? Or are we still producing the things of the world? sensuality and dirty jokes and outbursts of anger and jealousy and gossip and slander. As Paul says, divisions and factions and worldly living. And Paul says, guys, I'm telling you, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you just become temples of the Holy Spirit, wait on the Lord to work in you and see God do some amazing things. He has a plan to take you from point A to point B to be the people of promise. He's up there on that mountain speaking wonderful things about you to Jesus Christ. They've got lofty plans for the church in these last days. If we could just say, Lord, I'm willing to wait on the mountain till you come down one more time. Jesus won't you come down. Make the word alive in us. Show us how to be the people of God. We want to be temples, tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me today? Worship team, would you come? Wait on the Lord. Don't go down the mountain. Let God form you. Don't be the one forming God. Be a temple of the Holy Spirit. The only way God comes down the mountain is if he's tabernacling in a temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, Lord, for every person in this place today, Lord, we want your plans. Jesus, forgive us if there's things in our hearts that we've said we want a God we can relate to, that we can control, that fits into our time slot that fits into our calendar, that fits into the budget that we've prepared, that fits into everything that we think we can do to figure this thing out. But Lord, we wait. Jesus, we believe in you. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we have confidence in your plans. Jesus, we have confidence in your power. We don't want a fire that we've made. We don't want something that we're in control of. God, we want the majesty and the awe. God, we want to be the fire that's burning on the inside of us as tabernacles, temples of the Holy Spirit. We want a God who's going to go before us in victory and battle and fight our battles for us. God, we want a God who's going to come down and shake the nations one more time. They see the awe and the power that's in the presence of God and in a people who have the true fire, the true presence of God. We don't want counterfeit cultural Christianity. We don't want something fake. We don't want something that just fits into comfortability, God. We don't want something that is tamed and controlled that can be snuffed out. God, we want a consuming fire, Lord, to come down in the Holy Spirit power once more time, oh God. Oh, we're tired, Lord. Jesus. Break us, God. 
God, let a generation see a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. Oh, God, we don't wait. many in the church don't know you, God. They've only seen this golden cow, or they've only seen what other people say are you, but they've never experienced you. Oh, they've never felt you. They think they're in church, God. They think they know you. Oh, but you're there right above them, hovering in a fire, wanting to come down and reside in their hearts. Oh, God, come down the mountain. in us, oh God. Jesus. Can we just spend some time waiting on the Lord? I'm asking the team to sing this. If you want to find a place to pray, you can do that this morning, but let's just wait on the Lord. Oh, we wait on you, oh Jesus. Oh, we seek your face, oh God. Oh, forgive us of our sins, oh Lord. Move in this place, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I just want to see. 